Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, love, what's the story? Story, Rory. Got the shift off your man last night. You're legends. He's bleeding massive. Will we Will we go for one? <laughs> I'd murder a bag of cans. Will you meet me, me? Will you shift my friend? I will, yeah. Gobshite. Scarlet for your man for having you. Leave a bleed now. Would you ever cop yourself on? You're a terrible dog. Number one gobble. Well, holy God. I'm not getting harsh, but... Look at your one. She's a face of well-chew toffee. He's bleeding massive. Hi, how's it going? Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Tis myself, Nicola Barden, and this is episode six. Oh, my God. I'm just I'm so blown away by everyone being so nice and kind. And especially in relation to last week's episode with McLean Burke, um, I can't believe the reaction. People have been like so nice and I know McLean was getting lots of messages and lots of shares and I like his honesty for opening up um and talking about his mental health has just been it was just incredible and you know I don't think he expected it because he hadn't really he'd spoken about it on Instagram but maybe I suppose with a podcast you hear yourself back whereas you're not you know you're not going to watch back your stories or maybe he'd talked about stuff in in bit and he had uh We've seen it in print, but not actually heard himself speak like that. And have to give shout outs to, you know, his family and to his partner, Kat. They all shared it and it was it just did really well. It's my most listened to episode. I was blown away. So in less than a week, it you know, it, I think in it went out on Saturday and by Monday it was the most listened to episode. So that's incredible. Sorry to all my other guests here or there. Um, your episodes are doing great too, I swear. Um, but I re- if you haven't listened to any of them, you only listen to McLean, do go back and have a little scroll through the others. Or if you're only here for this episode, hello. And I, I'm so happy to have you here. And you've I've clearly seen the name of my guest today, Mr. Matt Cardle, who, of course, was the winner of X Factor back in 2010, beating Rebecca Ferguson and One Direction. You may have heard of either of those. Don't know. Um, yeah, I suppose they probably are up and coming. Probably make it someday. <laughs> um, well, Matt, actually, I planned to do this interview, air this interview maybe next week. But I'm sure on Twitter and Insta and on this morning and in the newspapers and stuff, you may have seen the fact that I think Jedward started it. Um started this all talking about the music industry, uh, the likes of reality shows and how they affect your mental health and affect you personally, the things you're allowed to say and you're not allowed to say. And it was weird because myself and Matt had spoke the week before, before all this blew up. We had spoke on Zoom and uh, well, I was was quite silent in this chat. As you'll probably listen back and hear, Matt had so much to say about how the show treated him. Remember, he was the winner. Okay, remember he won and yet it was third place One Direction who the show, I suppose, promoted the most. And no harm against them, obviously amazing. Like I'm a huge 1D fan, know all the words to all their songs. You know, I've met them. They're just lovely, lovely fellas. And so this is not a hate against 1D. Um, it's more the fact that the people behind it didn't put the... I suppose the push they put into One Direction, they didn't put the push into Matt and he won the show. The viewers you know, picked him, they liked him, they loved him. Anyway, it's my words are no good. You obviously want to hear Matt and how he, how he got on. So I think in a, in a very important week, I said I had to air this episode as the conversation is out there talking about the music industry. So here it is. It is himself from The X Factor. It's Mac Ardle. Matt, it's great to see you. I always start the podcast by asking the person how they're best known. And I suppose for you, that's a quite an easy one. 
Mm-hmm. The X Factor, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I, I would guess. Yeah, X Factor, maybe why you're my best known. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's no, it's no bad thing. Um, no, it's um, it's a while ago now. Wow, ten years, ten years ago. Um, well, just over. Um, it'll be oh ten God. years. This- this year yeah because it, it was I, I see I mean it was Christmas at 2010 so it'll be Christmas 2020 uh, last year it's just gone yeah 10 years yeah mad mad absolutely mad portion of my life <laughs> you know that I would I'd do it all again in a heartbeat but um, it would probably kill me honestly I actually don't know how anybody does those shows to be honest because you go into them and you're like Matt from down the road and then you know you live in this little bubble where you're you know you're on the show and you don't really know what's going on outside then you come out and you can't even go anywhere we can't go to tesco without anybody without everybody knowing who you are yeah that was the honestly um you know nicola that was the thing that i always kind of reference is the fact that there was no transition for us between nobody knows us and everybody knows us because it you know if you take for example a band like Coldplay you know when they release their first album they've got their fans and you know people will start to recognize them out and about um but by the time they released you know say Viva La Vida you know Chris Martin couldn't walk down Tottenham Court Road without being mobbed you know and we got to that point just instantly you know, you go into the house and you're in the bubble for 10, 12, 14 weeks. I think we were in there um, and you go to premieres and, you know, that's that's different because you're there for a reason and people are screaming at you and they want pictures and autographs and stuff. But that's not real life. And then you come out into real life and it's, you know, I, I couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't go down the shops, couldn't do anything without getting mobbed. And it was um, it was a really weird very short, sharp entry into into fame, I guess, you know? Well, obviously, premieres, they're different. You know what to expect. You know, you're getting suited and booted and looking glam and it's a fun night out and there's, you know, you with the X Factor, there'll be a few of you going together. It's different when you just have to go to Tesco and you want to, you know, get some, like, veg. Real, yeah, real life. You know, I, I remember going, it was... Um, uh, it was Christmas. I'd just come home for the first time. I think it was January the something or other. And I was like, oh, mum, I'm just going to nip down to get a phone charger from Sudbury, which is our local town. And someone saw me go into the whatever it was, Dixon's or something. And then when I came out, there was a group of about 10, 15 people in the threshold of the door. <laughs> and by the time I'd had a couple of pictures, we're talking now there's 30, 40 people out there. And, you know, I remember this policewoman coming through and sort of, sort of wading through the crowd and being like, are you okay? And I was like, well, I'm fine, but like, I've got a roast on at home. I need to get back. <laughs> and I had to get escorted out by the police. It was just, you know, it was just such a weird, you know, I, I you know, and I remember when I was in the hotel in Mayfair um, on winners week and I nearly had a panic attack it was really strange I I I was in my room and it's the first time I got to chill out about anything and just you know we didn't have any press to do that day or that evening I just come home from doing stuff and um, I had a security guard like I mean for God's sake what, what is going on and I said to Drew uh, I said to my security guard Drew I was just I called him um, and I'm just, I'm just popping out, mate. I'll be back. And he's like, where, 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 where are you going? And I was like, I'm just going to nip outside for fag. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, you can't just go outside for fag, mate. It's about 10 photographers out there and a bunch of people. And I was like, you mean I, I can't I can't go out for fag? And he's like, no, I've got to tell Piers, your tour manager, I've got to come with you. We've got to get a couple of things in place before you. And I was like, I sat in the hallway of the Mayfair Hotel, like, what the what the hell what the hell is going on like i just want to go for a cigarette like you could never be spontaneous you can never just be like listen i'm going to go into town and get a new shirt or get some bloody toilet roll like, yeah he was like make sure you look he's like what are you wearing i was like well i've just got my track he's like no like he's like put something on oh my god because they're going to take photographs of you the minute you get to the even halfway through the hallway they're standing waiting outside so i was like okay i'll put some like smart stuff on and go and stand there having a fag like i Oh my god, standing there in a tuxedo as you try to have a smoke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so honestly, Nicola, it was it was weird. Um it was it was just it was it was brutal, but you know, 
it was just such a big year. That was it. It was just so huge. Everyone was watching it. Um, everyone was into it. And, and look, I think that's another reason why I'm still here 10 years on talking to you about it is because it was so big and um, I've managed to, you know, to, to keep going, which is what I said uh, to someone the other day was that I see one of my biggest victories is the fact that we're still here talking um, about my career and about what I'm doing now rather than um, not, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's very easy to completely drop away. Well, like the year you were in it, your year, like One Direction, Rebecca, the Ollie Moore's year, the year Jedward were in it, they were the years I watched, you know, like kind of peak, that was the peak. I haven't seen it now in years. I couldn't, like, I didn't see it when Little Mix won. I couldn't tell you who's won it in the years since, or even probably before that. But when you were in it, it was the peak of talent shows, reality shows, and there's a real want for it. So people obviously will still remember you because they, they could have voted for you. Whereas they probably, even if they watch it, don't really remember who's won the most recent years. Well, it's um it, that that stuff really does last. I mean, I and I, I, I kind of noticed the power the power of television is is incredible, Nicola. And it I for example, I mean, I haven't got the best memory. I've got a good memory for faces and things like that. But like, I was walking down the street the other day, and this guy walked past me, and I was like, I know that guy from. Somewhere. And I was like, where's that? Oh my God, he was on dinner date, right? <laughs> I saw him on telly for about an hour. And I remembered him. And every time I see him, I'm like, oh, from dinner date. <laughs> I mean, we were on the TV for, for 12 weeks, every weekend for a good couple of hours. And then there's all the exposure afterwards. So, I mean... It, that really lasts in people's minds and and you know and and that again that's what was really helped with um with moving forward was was just the sheer size of the year you know it's so funny right because you can probably never escape this but the one thing i always think of and i always remember about you winning is there's you're standing there your name is announced you'd won you know all the you know wow and harry styles whispering in your ear and we're all at home going did he just say that do you know what i i i uh i just i heard what he said don't get me wrong i mean he, he there was a lot of noise going on but he shouted it in my ear <laughs> um and i just i i obviously got that clip played back to me a lot um when i won and like you know even on this morning it, there was a clip of it and holly oh, and, um, and phil were like look at this and i was like i know <laughs> we all know what he said but i honestly i was so not bothered about any of that and you know i, I just i i dread to think if i had turned around to him and gone <laughs> I mean, it would have made an awkward situation horrendous. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? Imagine your mom is watching and you were like, yeah. I know, I know, I know. I know this is the thing. I'm just like, thank God I was so swept up in the moment and am also not like that to, to, to go like, oh yeah, mate, that'd be mad. Oh, think about it, man. <laughs> no, no, I was actually more, uh, weirdly, it, it, I... And I was uh, chatting to someone about it and they were asking me about that moment. And weirdly, like I'd never had any money or anything. And I knew that like winning came with money and that kind of thing. And I wasn't thinking about the money necessarily. I, I, I always, this is so sad, but like I'd always wanted a radio controlled airplane. <laughs> I'd always wanted one. Like just, I don't know why I just I thought they were cool and I could never afford one. So I, as the, even as the ticker tape still raining down, I'm in my mind going, Oh my God, I can buy myself a radar controlled airplane. I mean, that. where do your mind goes when these things like, that was my first thought after he said my name. I was like, oh my God, I can buy a plane. No, <laughs> Shows the difference weird. between you and Harry where your minds went. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember interviewing you years ago. You come over to Dublin. I think it was, you were in the Clarence in the U2 hotel. I think it was for the Voice of Ireland. And at the time I remember chatting to you and you were so wrecked. I like you were probably in the middle of a promo tour, flying everywhere, doing loads of performances. So I don't even know if you knew you were in Dublin. Do you know what, Nicola? I was I was about two months out off of going into rehab at that point. Wow. Yeah, that was that was right. I was I remember because 
when I went in and the story came out in the sun over here, um, we had uh, the press team from, uh, is it RTE that do the voice island? Yeah. Um, they were like, he seemed okay. He seemed fine. But that's the, that's the thing with the prescription drugs is you, you, you're not rolling around stinking of alcohol or, you know, clearly tweaking on, on GAC or anything like that. It's like you're just, you're, you're just living in a, in a bubble. And I was, you're absolutely right. I was completely wrecked. And, um, yeah, it, that was that was the beginning of the end, if I'm honest, as far as my health was going. Like to think about it, I was in that room, let's say, with you for about twenty minutes. I remember just thinking, he looks exhausted, and you know, I just remember putting it down to you being tired. And no, I like I had no idea what you were going through. Yeah, I just I, um what 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 it you know what it really really was to get to the nuts and bolts of it is like i I was eating a lot of valium at the time like and i hadn't i i'd run out basically uh and all all i had was my tour manager had some um xanax um which weren't really touching the sides but they were they were helping a bit and i think during those last performance I, i remember going to film the last uh, the last bit and i'm sat there next to kian um and he's like you're right mate i'm like yeah no no, no. I, just, I just need to i need to where's my where do you know where my tour manager is has anyone seen Piers? has anyone seen Piers? he'd gone back to the hotel to get me some xanax because i was starting to like freak out yeah. and uh, uh yeah and that was it and then uh, everyone was like matt you can't you can't leave your seat you can sit down and i'm like literally like running around in a panic trying to where's Piers? where's where's my pills <laughs> do you know what i mean like really like dark time but um it's it's interesting that you you know that you picked up on how how wrecked I was because I really was I really was I was I was at the end of it I was just burnt out completely. So how long would you have been like hiding the volume and at that stage? Um, n- to everyone apart from my actual manager at the time, completely. Um, you know, like we had uh, to put it lightly a tumultuous relationship me and my manager because we were very very close um and you know when you're spending all day every day with someone traveling around and all this kind of stuff we'd get into arguments we get into fights just because of um the level of control over me that he wanted and over what I was wearing, who I was talking to, who I was doing this and that. And he was like, it was so controlling. And he knew that I was, was it was eating these pills. And he knew that he knew that once I'd had some, that I was easier to deal with. And don't get me wrong, Nicola, I'm, I wasn't, uh, I am a very, very placid person. I don't, I don't argue. I hate confrontation. I mean, that's to my detriment because things have happened in my career where I should have spoken up and I haven't and all that kind of stuff. But he, he would be like, have you, have you, have you had one yet? Almost like that. Like, can you hurry up and have another one? And I'm like, you know, it was, it was, it, it was so bad. The whole situation yeah. was so bad, but he was the only person aware of what I was doing, but I don't think even he was aware of how physically addicted I was. Um, you know, and, and any of that stuff, I, I just think it was, it was all so messed up. And he ended up leaving Ireland when we were doing the Jingle Bell Ball, and I was there on my own. And I, I remember waking up in the hotel um, and just being in Ireland on my own. And then just weirdly called my old tour manager Piers, and was like, "Yeah, don't happen to be in Ireland." And he was like, "I'm with Little Mix. I'll fly you home." So I jumped on the plane with him and, and the girls and went home, <laughs> just like in a proper pickle. You're you're stuck like I'm a celebrity gonna be out of here. Uh, literally, I need to get back home and and get myself another twenty, you know, Valium and sort my head out. That was yeah, it was it was a really, really dark time, but we got through it somehow. So how did you get through? Because it just seems the prescription drugs, the addiction there. It's on the rise because it's so easy for people to get their hands on. Yeah, people. yeah, it is, and I mean, and I, you know, I, I don't want people listening to go out and get it on the internet because it's you don't know what you're getting, but you can get it there. You can get it anywhere. I mean, you can get it as easy as any anything else. And and what I um what I think is 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 crucial about where I kind of fell foul of it is because 
because there's that word prescription at the start of it, it makes it seem safe and it mm. makes it seem, you know, when you, if you, if someone gave you a little baggie with three pills floating around in the bottom of it, you'd be a bit like, <laughs> mm, I don't know about these. But if you get it in a nice film packet and it's got, you know, you know, benzo, you know, diazepam written on the back of it and it's all, you're like, oh, these are safe. They give these to people for all sorts. You know, yeah. and, and the speed in which it gets hold of you is is what was really frightening. Like, to from being sort of like seemingly mentally addicted to it to being absolutely 100% physically and mentally addicted was a matter of months it was like f probably less than three months wow um, i mean i was abusing it don't get me wrong i was consuming a lot of alcohol and other drugs at the time with it um which is why it's so lethal and 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 why to be honest if i hadn't gone to rehab then i don't know if i would be sitting here talking to you or talking to anyone mm. for that matter because it's a muscle relaxant and it um, your heart's a muscle, and when you add it, mix it with alcohol, it becomes way more potent and way more effective. And when you've had alcohol, as we all know, your inhibitions are gone. Yeah. You, you forget how many you've taken, and you 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 don't care about a lot of stuff. And you you eat too much, and it the alcohol grabs hold of it, and it stops your heart beating because it's a muscle, and that's how we've lost so many people. Anna Nicole Smith, you know, um, uh, oh god, um, the uh, oh, that? I will always love you, um, Whitney Houston, you know, Heath Ledger. It, the, the list is endless, you know. Um, and they, it's, it's a lot of the time it's not suicide. It's just a mistake. It's just an accident. You've just taken too much or you've forgotten how much you've taken. You take one more or you drink too much with it and you, yeah, that's it. It's, it's a smooth way to go, but it's, it's not intentional on, on a lot of these cases. And that's, that's, that's the direction I was heading in, 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 in rapid motion. Yeah. So I think if I hadn't have got the help that I needed, I, I don't know if I'd be here to be honest. So did you decide to do rehab or was it like somebody telling you that you had to go in and do it? It was, um, it, honestly, Nicola, it just, there was like, there were, there were a handful of occasions where, and this is what they say to you. I mean, you, you, you enter rehab because life has become unmanageable, basically be that you're a gambling addict and you've spent all your money or you owe too much money. You're, you know, you're a cocaine addict and you, you know, you're falling to bits or you can't get the money to, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why you wind up there. But I mean, there was, there was a handful of times where I just I just wasn't functioning as a human. Like I I I had a bit of a meltdown in Heathrow Airport. I was supposed to go to uh, Ayrshire in Scotland to do this huge festival, headlining a festival for ten thousand people. And this is another thing when I, when I realised how little I was caring about what I care most about. Mm. I was like, hold on a minute, um, and. My manager, like I said, it was it was tumultuous, but he, he called me in, in the morning. He was like, I'm not fucking coming with you. You can go on your own. So I, I turn up to – I call my brother in the morning. I was like, Dom, and I can't fly to Scotland on my own with all my gear and then just rock up at an airport and, you know, like in the state that I was in. And I call my brother and um, – I was like, look, can you meet me at Heathrow? I think I want to try and get you on this flight to Scotland with me to do this gig. And he's like, yeah, I'll try. So he met me at the airport and... Um... Sorry. Yeah. Um... Yeah, he met me at the airport and I went to the check-in desk and... Um... I was like, can we can we get this uh, ticket change to Dom instead of Will, um, my manager? And uh, they said no, basically. And I just I just turned around. I posted my I posted my boarding pass through a post box and just collapsed and started crying in the middle of the airport. And Dom was like, mate, what are you doing? People are looking at you. People are like, what the fuck? He's like, what's the matter with you, man? That's not a normal reaction to to this situation. Um, and that kind of thing started to happen more 
more frequently that was the kind of the first time where i just kind of lost it and then the trouble with with um withdrawals from benzos is it affects you it's so so much like physically and mentally and your emotions are just literally they're one layer of skin away from the outside and you know, I remember sitting in a, in a ca- <laughs> sitting in a cab talking to the cab driver about Ollie Murs, and then halfway through the conversation, I'm just in floods of tears. And he's like, "You're right, mate." And I was like, "I, d- I, d- I don't know. I, I don't know." He's like, "Do you want me to take you back home?" I was like, "I think you might need to." Like, you know, so these kind of things are happening more and more. And then um, the last the last situation where before I went to do some Christmas shopping, and I um, I ended up in a changing room in. Williams and Griffins, this department store in Colchester, because um, I just had another episode in the middle of this thing, and this guy came up, one of the store managers, can't remember his name. He's like, "Mate, do you want to do you want to take a minute?" And I was like, "Yes, please." He's like, "Come and sit in the change room." So I sat in the change room with the, <laughs> the thing shut, and then he just went down to the Fenwick's and bought me a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> What a legend. Oh my God. He came back up and he just, this, through the curtain came this bottle, it was about 11 in the morning, came this bottle of whiskey and I was like, mate, thanks. And I'm just there like, you know, shaking, rocking, crying, losing my fucking mind. And um, my mate came and picked me up and he opened the curtain. I'll never forget. And he was like, mate, what the hell is happening to you? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. So I don't know. I think I'm, I think I might need a bit of help now, and uh, and that was it. And then um, I had a couple of days of grace where I just went mad and filled my boots with everything. And then I went to rehab, and that was. But those those points, Nicola, were kind of they were getting more and more frequent, you know. And I didn't realise they were just withdrawals. I was withdrawing from from the benzos because I wasn't eating enough to keep up with how much I was eating. If you see what I mean, um, it was a scary time. I'll tell you. And like you can clearly see, like you know, you're, how emotional you still get thinking about it, thinking about your friends and family. They were on the sidelines, who they really probably didn't know how bad it actually was. But yeah, it must have been terrifying. And you know, um, you know, Dom saw it that day in the in the airport, and then one day I went back to go. This was all around the Christmas that that Christmas before I went in, and you know, I'd I'd passed out on the train and and spilt. I I had a bottle of wine on me, and I I was in. Luckily. You know, I had a bit of money and I was traveling first class, so it was there wasn't a busy carriage. But I'd passed out and I'd spilt a bottle of wine over myself, and then I proceeded to get changed in the carriage in front of everyone. Oh, like, God. I didn't, I honestly, Nick, I just didn't give a shit about anything. And then, uh, and then walked into the restaurant, dropped my bags with all my mates and a bunch of people in Strada in the middle of culture, and once again, just burst into tears got taken out of the back it was yeah anyway so it was just life was getting unmanageable to say the least so like what is rehab actually like yeah it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of talking it's a lot of talking and that's all the therapy is is talking i mean for me there was a, there was a it was it was more a, a a detox to start with because i had to you cannot stop you just can't just stop like anything you can't just stop especially with with benzos because they they get into every fiber of your being your muscles your joints your you know your bones everywhere um and the the withdrawals are painful they are you know you ache like you've got the worst flu you've ever had and you know you can straight and you can get benzo fits and it gets pretty dangerous and that can need hospital attention so you what they do is they match how much you're eating when you go in and then they take away two milligrams every three days but believe me, those two milligram drops you feel. And I was in there with people who were on methadone for heroin, who were on sertraline for alcohol, and everyone was like, I don't envy you. Like, because we know what benzos, weaning off benzos is painful and, and very uncomfortable. So the first kind of week or so was... I was still pretty off my nut because I was doing a lot and I'm in there and they're having to give me a lot, you know? So 
it, it, it was it was very much like a dream to start with because I, I you know you hear about it and it's all kind of like yeah rock and roll and all this kind of crap but it's not it's really serious and no one wants to be there you know believe me it's it's all necessary and I just as I, I just slowly started to sober up over the over those three weeks and the last week I was like wow man i mean i'm getting better and i didn't realize how bad i was like I, I was in a real real mess when i got here and you can see it in you know in people's faces because you don't you don't all join as a group you there's a there was our peer group was about eight of us at the max it was about six of us at the at the, the least and people would come and you'd ha- you'd be in there a week or you'd have had people in there three weeks and i turn up like a mess and they're like yo it's gonna get better man don't worry we're all here together um and then i'd been there for a couple of weeks and someone else joins like at their lowest and you it's like you know it's there's such there's such and that's what we're the this this is what we're the butterflies is about it's about that experience and i heard more truth Oh, no, I had more honesty, Nicola, in that four-week period than I have in my entire life. Like, and I mean honesty with no bravado, with no ego whatsoever. Not being, this is how it was, but I'm going to protect my ego, and I'm going to, you know, people just having. And there's something so beautiful about that when you're all in the same position, and you know you have to come into that room and in the first meeting in in a round and say hi i'm matt i'm an addict and this is how i got here you know and there were people that are, you know the stories are unbelievable you wouldn't you honestly wouldn't believe some of it and it's just so brutally honest and it's and it's so wonderful it's 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 weirdly wonderful if you know what i mean and was it so was it weird for you going in going hi i'm matt because most people probably knew you anyway. Then like you're going into that and not only do you have to open up brutally honest about all these things that have happened, but you also have to open up as a pop star, like a famous person. Well, we wanted to, we wanted to do, um, because I think it was going to get, because there was some, someone had got hold of it, I think from somewhere, I don't know where, um, but they have their ways, don't they? And I wanted to do something about it before I, before there was speculation about what it was and all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to be open and honest about it. Um, everyone that I was in there with weirdly knew who I was and I I never expect anyone to believe me but everyone I was in there with knew everyone was kind of cool about it and then this one guy after the it was out in the sun this one guy Mark um uh he came steaming through the the front door on his first day well he actually came left and came back again um and he just i'm sat there playing solitaire which is one of the lyrics from um but we're the butterflies because that's all we had to do in the in the foyer was play solitaire and he went he just looked at me and went so it is fucking true then and i was like hey <laughs> like you know no one had been like that until you turned up and then you know turns out he was a wonderful wonderful guy having a horrible horrible time you know like there were a few of them like that in there and we became friends and you know you make really you get really close to people really quick in those situations and you know it's um it, it, i wasn't too you know there was i've never had any shame in it because um it, it just happens to some people um and you know and i mean I mean it with respect when I say I challenge anyone. I don't challenge literally anyone, but I I would like anyone who does say that anything negative about me talking about it or about the fact that I went to rehab or had a problem, I'd say you try going through what I went through. You try that, you know, and then see how you get on. <laughs> um, you know, it's just pretty tough. And I have to admit that the the lack of support that I got from the label has had a huge part to do with it because, you know, I just had this huge opportunity and obviously they had other fish to fry, i.e. One Direction. And, you know, I totally understand the decision to not push my album and to not 
give me the opportunities that I was being handed to. They were going elsewhere at the time, which was heartbreaking for me because it's like, you know, they were like, oh, we want you to headline the, the children in need thing. And that came to the office and no, 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 no. They're going to give that to One Direction. You can tell Matt he will do something else. And my manager told me things like this. And I'm like, man, like, you know, I've got these opportunities here and they're being taken away from me one by one by one. And that's another reason why I was so unhappy and so stressed out and why the Valium was helping me out so much is because, you know, I wasn't being looked after. I wasn't being cared about or by the label or, or the management. And I just was like, do you know, what? I've got to go out and fight on my own now. And I have been and it's been fine. But I just wish that I'd had a bit more support from them. If you see what I mean? Jeez. like I would hope in 2021 that management labels can't get away with any of that kind of shite like they shouldn't have been able to when you were there but I suppose now there's a real focus on that kind of stuff reality reality TV has to have aftercare but it disgusts me to think that they looked at it and said listen let's give One Direction all the best opportunities like as I said One Direction are brilliant I love them I love all the boys but like you had won they made you this celebrity they can't just walk away because you're having a, a tough time well this is exactly kind of you know how I felt it, it, it went down and you know it was a it was a few it was a few years after uh, after 2010 when you know all the figures came out and uh, my manager called me up and he was like look I've got the I've got the figures here for the week one advertising spend from Psycho and mine was 70,000 Rebecca's was 150 and One Direction's was in excess of half a million and he's like look it's plain and simple they didn't they didn't push it you know and it still the the album was platinum album if they had they'd given it a bit more of a push we could have sold you know double platinum triple platinum you know it could have happened but they they had other things on on their agenda and you know i respect their decision but i i don't respect the lack of the lack of effort that they put into um you know to push me and my my album really and the thing is, it's not like, it's not a show where you win, that's the end of it, great, goodbye. It's a show where they give you a record deal at the end. So it's in their own best interest to help you. And obviously they just decided we only want the One Direction and that's it. That's where our money's going. Good luck. Yeah, it, it kind of did seem like that. And look, I, like, like you said, I absolutely love the boys and I, I think they are, they deserved the success that they got because they were brilliant as a band and they're brilliant as solo artists, you know, all of them. Um, and, you know, it just, uh, it, it, I guess it was always going to be a different fight for me because I, I never really fit the mould over at Psycho because they are very pop. Um, and I had an opinion on what I wanted to do and, and sound like and how I wanted it to come over. And I, it's, it's easier to just go, oh, you know like just let him go man let him go and do his own thing somewhere else and you know and I did and um, you know the opportunities that I've had for myself over the, over the last decade have been from you know from hard work and you know superb management you know with Nathan my old manager and um, the indie labels that I've worked with and even returning to Sony for Time to Be Alive which is my latest album for this EP and um, you know, working with Trevor Horn um, and the, and all the West End stuff. These have all been things that are you know that I've gone out and worked for. They haven't they haven't fallen into my lap quite the same way X Factor did. I suppose at least with your new music, you're writing about actual events and emotions. Like I know your new single "Where the Butterflies" is about someone you met in rehab. Like these are actual real stories and emotions to you, and it's not coming from a songwriting team who are just focused on getting that number one. Well, th this is it, and you know that that's great if it works for you. That kind of you know that huge, like you say, that writing team and and all that kind of stuff. And I'd written about relationships and love and all that stuff a lot, you know. And when I when I went through that dark time, I thought, you know, this this is what I'm going to write an album about or a new album about. And um, weirdly thankful for the, for the darkness, but I think it's brought the EP and the new album so much depth and insight. And it's just not often that, that you get these experiences that you can pour into your music. And yeah, I'm just very grateful that I'm still here and I'm able to do it, if you see what I mean. Of course, like to be clean, to be happy and healthy, 
in a pandemic and releasing new music. Like each of them on their own in a pandemic is huge. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah, like to have two singles out now, you're in a place where you clearly look great. You're feeling good about yourself. Yeah, I do. I, do. I, I really do. I, I think it's, um, there, there are all sorts of um, things I've had to clean up and clear up um, over the last year, like even uh, you know, not on a just just gaining control over everything, and and it's taken me ten years. You know, like I, I I'm not sure how it will go with the with the whole album, but I produced this EP myself, and I I've been working on my production for a while, and to be able to just go, do you know, what? no, this is how I want it to sound, and do you know, what? no, this is fuck, this is what I'm going to be writing about, and I'm sorry, this is this is what I'm going to wear at this photo shoot. I'm not going to put that on, right? You know, these are, this has taken a lot of time to, to be able to do um, because I just, I always thought that everyone else knew best because I came into the, the industry in a situation where everyone else does know best and you don't know anything, Matt. This is, mm. you're a newbie here and we're going to sort this out. Um, and it's, it's it's just taken me a long time to, to for that conditioning to kind of wear off and and for me to stand on my own too a bit more and go do you know what no I don't I don't want to wear that I don't want to sing that I don't want to write with this do you know what I mean so, yes and so in that for in that sense I I feel free for the first time because it's uh and I don't mind that it's taken ten years <laughs> do you know what I mean the next phase of my music career will be the next 10 years and then we'll see what happens you know it's like it, it just it was a, a wonderful scary amazing opportunity that that really unfortunately turned me into plastic overnight because i'd been in rock bands doing my thing for years and actually built up a, a quite a substantial amount of credibility even if it was only in my local area or um to, to myself and to anyone that was listening to my music it was real and it was raw and it was it was mine and then all that gets stripped away with x factor and you're plastic you're that guy from anything so it's it's been that desperate kind of trying to reclaim my credibility and and my myself which has been fun don't get me wrong this has been testing as well <laughs> well look i suppose if you look at it like this if you had like if Psycho had put all the money that they put into One Direction on you, turned you into what you call the plastic, the pop star with the hair and the outfit they've chosen for you and the song they've chosen for you, you probably would have lasted only a couple of years before you would have said, F this, I'm not singing that. And there would have been an even bigger blowout. I mean, that that is very, very true. I don't know if I would have been able to stick it, but what what is, with, with, a, with a huge amount of success, it buys you... It, it, buys you a lot it like air in the tank is the way i kind of look at it like if if they had pushed me harder at the start i wouldn't have needed to make the second album that year i did that as a as a as a retaliation from being dropped after my album went platinum and you know everything else i was like you know what no kind of fuck you i'm gonna go and make an album now and we weirdly beat any sony artist that week with the album spot you know i came (laughs) number eight and paloma faith came number nine and she was a Sony act and I was on an indie label. We were just like, come on, get yes. this. But, you know, when, when, you know, when George Michael decided to stop making records for five years or however long it was because of his contract, he was allowed to do that because he was George Michael and he was so successful, you know, because I wasn't that. I couldn't go, do you know what? I'm just going to wait. And I had to just motor, motor, motor on. Um, and, you know, if they had created me into this, you know, squeaky, you know, pop star, then the success that that would have brought would have bought me time to then do my own thing. But I didn't have that, you know, time. I just had to just motor on and and, and do it myself kind of thing. But do you think that, do you have regrets or do you think that everything that happened led you to where you are now for a reason? Um, 
I, I think yeah, I think so and you know the, the like I said if it hadn't have all gone so wrong then I wouldn't I wouldn't be sitting on this new EP I wouldn't be sitting on this new album I wouldn't have all this to write about I wouldn't have that experience which has changed me so much for the better as a, as a person you know everything everything happens for for a reason and um it's it's a shame that there wasn't the intent to to support me at the time, but you know I I I everything happens for a reason, and and, and I, I don't regret any of the decisions. I, I regret some of the outfits that I put on sometimes. <laughs> Who doesn't? I mean, god damn it. Years ago and I'm like, why was I wearing that hat? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's more the point. I was like, I look at some of the photo shoots and I was like, what? why did I put that? Why did I agree to wearing that? I don't know. <laughs> but you live and you learn, don't you? Well, you live, you don't learn. Like, look at what they made One Direction wear and what they made them do. So can you imagine like Zayn Malik now, one of the coolest people in the, like around in the music industry, looking back and what he would have had to wear in his early days yeah, well, exactly I, and I, I I did feel for them at the time but then again because they did that and because they went with it and they were so hugely successful that's that's the reason that they can all go and do their thing now you know because they had that success and they've had that you know um, exposure uh, and it's they can then do their own thing um, um, and the, yeah they're all they're all they're all so great like, you know they're brilliant lads but like on the other side of it, right, you have to see someone like Harry, right, who's creating amazing music that if he released it without the X Factor, he probably would have had a different audience, different crowds coming to his shows. But no matter what he does, he's going to have the young teeny boppers there. And maybe it's harder for him to get the audience that he actually wants there. Yeah, I think I, I think they uh, I think Harry and Zane specifically, they they their their first card that they played their first hand that they played was absolutely spot on i mean zane leaving and, and doing pillow talk i mean wow what song and i mean just incredible and harry doing um sign of the times again it was so not one direction um and they you know harry's gone more back into the kind of mainstream thing but still on a in a very very cool way um and i think uh those two specifically have have had great people around them you know suggesting great things to them and it and it's working isn't it well look at it like this this is your new start you have the new music out there people are starting to come to you who maybe didn't know you before and you also have you're in a position now where you make your own decisions like i'm not wearing that t-shirt but but yeah, I actually really like what you suggested for that song. Instead of twenty-five people telling you what you had to do. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and it's and it's liberating, and it's uh, and it's about time. And you know, I, and my dad said to me when I when I'd won, he's like, "Look, this isn't this is going to be a slow burner, I think." Um, and I but I believe so, and I, I would rather it be you know a slow, steady burn than than just uh, you know a huge amount of success very quickly and then see you later, you know. So you've learned from that. You've learned that you can have all that and then have it over in a year. Whereas this way you release the song and, it, you know, you promote it and maybe this song does OK. Maybe the next song is the big, massive one. Maybe the next one after that is the big, massive one. Exactly, exactly that. And as like, it's they're like lottery tickets, you know, as long as you're pouring your heart and soul into them and they're amazing. Uh, fingers crossed then then you know it's only a matter of time before one connects and 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 does everything that you want it to do look worse comes to worse you just create a dance put it on tiktok and there you go (laughs) (laughs) i know i i i I can't i can't do it i can't do it like i i i I really i'm not a fan of social media i'm so crap at it i don't like promoting myself i don't like taking selfies to me and i go hey and my label at the moment are are just so like come on man you got post post but i'm just like but what you know i don't like getting in people's faces like that um and i remember when when i was on x factor like oh you need to get twitter i was like what's twitter and they were like it's like facebook but just the update status update and when i had facebook my own personal one which i don't i have my music one um i never once updated my status not once never i know sorry once uh when my dog got stung by a wasp 
and I said something about wasps, but it wasn't very nice. And, um, you know, so I just, I didn't, I don't have that kind of like people want to know what I'm thinking and, and looking like and doing it all at the same time. So when Instagram came around, like my my following from Instagram and Twitter is very like skewed because like I was so late to the game. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't need another form of social media. Please, no. And then I finally was like, okay, I'll get Instagram. And then TikTok came around. I'm like, no, nah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I can just about handle my Twitter and my Instagram. <laughs> And that's that. <laughs> I know. It's, I know. Again, it's to my detriment. I should be on TikTok, and I should be doing it. But I mean, I, I think it's it's. I don't, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, for me, I'm just like, I can just about handle what I have. And if someone sends me a negative comment, I'm spiraling. So if I do a TikTok and get no likes, I'll be adding another bit to it. So, but there is, there it is always that option, create the dance and TikTok it. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again in six months time and my, my dance has gone viral. You can text me. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there on my, on my TikTok going, here's the Matt Cardle dance. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Oh, Matt, it's just been so lovely talking to you. And uh, before I let you go, obviously the two singles are out, uh, Purple Crayon and Where the Butterflies. Is the EP out? Uh, no, the EP will be out late summer. Okay, so people have that to look forward to. Well, I'm very excited to see the road that you're on. The songs you have are brilliant. They're, you know, they're very much not the manufactured. Absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Thank you so much. Honestly, thank you. It's been a real, real pleasure. Oh, and for me, it's a pleasure just to see you looking so well, so healthy, you know, not wrecked, just chilled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, smiling, a bit of colour in my face, not much because we've been inside for a year, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thanks for being like so honest. I actually really appreciate it for to hear the honesty. And thank you so, so much, honestly. Go have a brilliant day, a brilliant weekend. Yeah, you too. Take right. care. Bye. Thank bye. You. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Speak soon. Honestly, how amazing is Matt Cardler? Like I, you probably know now why I wanted that chat to get out this week. He's just so open and we had such crack and he's so lovely and he looks great. I can tell you from, you know, being on Zoom with him for an hour, he looks great, very healthy. He's in such a good place and, you know, go and listen to his music, go and give them a spin, the new singles, see what you think of them. You know, there might be a song there that might reach out to you, um, might reach out to somebody, you know, that's in a similar situation or maybe you just, maybe it's just a song that you might like, you know. Um, I just have to thank him, Matt, you know, if he's listening back to it. I had such, it was just such an honour to chat to you, to see you in such a healthy place. And this podcast has taken, you know, we start off with only one question and that is, how do people know you? Like I have, no, I have nothing else in front of me, script wise or questions and notes. And every single episode we've ended up in some sort of, we've had a laugh, but we've also ended up in a deep, you know, meaningful conversation that maybe the person and I weren't planning to get into. So that's been the joy for me. Um, well, look, next week I have uh, someone Irish on and uh, he is also very open and very friendly and lovely so you're going to have to wait and see who that is so hit subscribe on apple or on spotify follow i think it is on spotify um leave a review if you've enjoyed this if you've just this is the first time you've heard tis yourself please go back there's loads of stuff there you know we've got nicole o'brien from uh, too hot to handle tom grennan um i've got adele lynch from bewitched i've got a disability golfer brendan lawler so please do go back and see is there one there and if you like what you hear please share the podcast on your stories on instagram or with your friends and whatsapp or whatever because you know i think matt's story deserves to get out there after everything he's been through anyway that's all from me slog a fall um look after yourselves and yeah be kind and stay healthy good luck bye 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 bye